help my unbelief. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. You may be seated. What do you believe? This is a question that I've been confronted with constantly in my life, particularly when it comes to matters of my faith. And some might think that rethinking what we believe is a scary or a dangerous thing to do. But that seems to be the very thing that Jesus is leading people to do throughout the Gospels. In fact, his first and most often repeated message was that because the kingdom of God is at hand, you and I should rethink things and believe again. And life as a Christian is this regular confrontation with the person of Jesus and the reality of his kingdom, and that leads us to rethink and believe. And this is exactly what we see happening in our reading from the Gospel of Mark today. While Jesus is away, his disciples try to heal a child by casting out a demon that is literally trying to destroy him. This demon is causing the boy to throw himself into fire and water, among other terrible things. But the disciples, they can't do it. And Jesus' reaction to their inability to save this poor child, it sounds, it sounds a bit like frustration, right? Impatience. You faithless generation, he says. How much longer do I have to put up with you? But Jesus then points us to exactly what the problem is with the disciples and this faithless generation. It's their lack of belief. And this raises the question... What did Jesus expect them to believe? And the gospel writer takes great care to emphasize that Jesus was frustrated because they did not believe that he had the power to do what they were asking him to do, to heal and cast the demon out of this boy. When the father first brings the boy to Jesus, the father shows his doubts even in the way he phrases his question. If you can, if you're able, Jesus... Can you heal my son? And in a moment of the most truly heart-wrenching honesty, the father confesses his unbelief with this cry, I believe, help my unbelief. And then even after Jesus heals the boy, the people are still in doubt. They believe that Jesus actually killed the boy uh, rather than healed him. Jesus is frustrated because they still don't believe in him. They still lack the faith that Jesus is hoping to draw out of them. And the faith that it seems that Jesus is calling forth, it's not merely that he's capable of healing people and performing miraculous acts, but something deeper still. It's what underlies this power and is the source of it. It's the belief in Jesus' identity as the Son of God, as God in flesh. So in other words, he's looking not for faith in his works, but in who he is. The identity that was revealed uh, a few verses before, before our reading today, when you read about the transfiguration. When Jesus goes up onto the mountain, God bathes him in divine light and pronounces, this is my son, the beloved, listen to him. And the belief at the heart of this story today and at the heart of our Christian faith is belief in Jesus' identity as the Son of God. And I think this makes all the difference. 
not confusing the signs for the person himself. Believing in miracles is not the same as believing in the presence of God's Son. And Jesus gives these signs in order to draw deeper faith in him, nothing else, which frees us to live with confidence in who he is and not merely what he can do for us. Do you ever wonder why demons in Scripture always recognize Jesus for who he was even when nobody else did? It's because they knew that where the fullness of God's goodness, love, and power is present, evil and demons could not be. St. Augustine wrote, What, after all, is anything we call evil except the absence of good? Thus, when a cure takes place, the defects are not transferred elsewhere. But since they're no longer present in the state of health, they no longer exist at all. So whenever Jesus cured evil or cast out demons, they ceased to exist in the person. Because God's very presence scatters evil. And if we truly believe this about Jesus, then think about what that means for our own souls. It means that any darkness that's present there, and we know that it is present in all of us, it's eradicated when it is exposed to the light and the goodness of Christ. So believing in Jesus means bearing our own demons in his presence and having the confidence that he can and he will and he longs to cast them out. And like the boy in our story today, to raise us up from a state of apparent death, like a corpse, that's what our story said, to new life. And this is the confidence we hear in the words of our psalmist today. The snares of death encompassed me, and the pains of the grave laid hold of me. I suffered trouble and sorrow. Then I called upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I beseech you, deliver my soul. And notice the difference that the Lord's presence makes. The psalmist continues, You've delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, and my feet from stumbling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. So believing in Jesus doesn't mean just believing that Jesus existed or that the events in the Gospels happened as they're described. It means having confidence that Jesus can bring you, each of you sitting here today, from whatever darkness you're inhabiting out into the land of the living. And so what does it look like not to believe this and not to have confidence that Jesus is the source of new life? Well, it actually looks a lot like the disciples in our story today. So we know the disciples were unable to cast out the demon in this boy from our story today, but why? After all, earlier in Mark, chapter 6, the disciples, they had actually been able to cast out demons. So what happened? What's the difference between that story and what we read in our story today? Well, the difference is that before... They were acting with Jesus's authority. So Mark chapter 6 verse 7 says that Jesus called the 12 and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over unclean spirits. But in our story today, when they tried to do it, Jesus wasn't there. He wasn't there when they tried to cast the demon out of this boy. 
So the disciples, maybe they, they may have been trying to copy Jesus, or maybe they were trying to mimic him, even perhaps believing in his miracles, but not in him, and not in the authority uh, that comes from who he really is. They were relying on their own power, and it didn't work. And it causes me to wonder, don't we tend to do this all the time? In our reading from James today, we hear, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if you have faith but do not have works? And we hear that faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. And how often do we hear this? We hear this passage and think, I need to get on that, right? I need to do some more good works. I need to be a better Christian. Maybe I should volunteer some more. I need to give some more money away. I need to be nicer to people. Um, and, and we set about trying to change by running around and doing more things by the force of our own power. And like running off without Jesus with plans to do his works. And how does that usually turn out for us? Um, in my experience, at least, it doesn't usually work very well. Because we tend to get tired, or maybe we don't meet the goals that we've set for ourselves, and in frustration, we might backslide into old habits and just start prioritizing our own needs above the needs of others, but without seeing any real or lasting transformation. Are we simply trying to copy Jesus and relying on our own power? And the problem here isn't that we just need to do more good works. The problem is that we've forgotten what Jesus has taught us to believe, that he is the source of our life and our goodness. And it's from being united with him and filled with his spirit, the good works flow, and not the other way around. So notice how Thomas Merton, the writer, uh, keeps Christ's presence and saving work together when he writes this. United to Christ, we seek with all possible fervor to let him manifest his virtue and his sanctity in our lives. And our efforts should be directed to removing the obstacles of selfishness, disobedience, and all attachment to what is contrary to his love. So what what does it look like to live a life believing that Jesus is the source of our power and our goodness? And our story today, after the boy had been healed and Jesus was back alone with his disciples, they finally had the chance to ask him, what were we doing wrong? Why couldn't we heal the boy? And here we have the big reveal. It's, it's not magic. It's not some super special spell that only Jesus knows. It's union with God in prayer. Jesus tells them that This kind of demon can come out only through prayer. So in other words, Jesus' power to restore life and goodness came from precisely the same source that he makes available to all of us, communion with the Father. So if we find ourselves not being the people of good works that we desire to be, our sin is not neglecting to do good works. Our sin is forgetting forgetting that God is made present to us in Christ 
and not our own power is the source of our good works. And we can only become the people that we long to be and the people that God has made us to be by taking the time to commune and be present with him. Now, if you're anything like me, I often find it's actually a lot harder to take time to be with God than to simply add items to my to-do list. And I notice that there are signs in my life when I'm forgetting. I'm forgetting what I'm about, um, and I'm forgetting that I, I'm not the source of my peace and my joy and my goodness. And it's usually the time I break out a magic eraser. Do y'all know what that is? You know, the thing you get at Costco and you can, it's a cleaning thing, you can go around and magically clean things. So when you see me, when I start rushing around my house, furiously going after the walls and trying to wipe out all the scuffs with my magic eraser, that's usually when it dawns on me. When's the last time I spent some serious time in prayer? I mean, deeply, honestly, opening my heart, gratitude, fears, and longings to God. At the transfiguration, God said, this is my son. Listen to him. But how can I hear the voice of Jesus when my life is so filled with noise? So like a stubborn toddler fighting nap time, I'll step away from my to-do list, put my eraser down, and turn to God in prayer. And maybe you have signs like that too. I mean, maybe it's cleaning, cooking, working, binge-watching, whatever it is. Signs that you're putting all of your time and your heart into other things and forgetting that the source of your true life and flourishing is in God. And by no means do I mean to suggest that any of those other things in and of themselves are bad because we know that God is present to us in even the most mundane things. But the problem is we become so saturated with these other things that we forget. And we forget that God is present and we lose touch with the spirit that is dwelling in each of us. So to live a life of faith means responding to the gift, the gift of God's love, by turning to him and being present to him as much as we can. So friends, what do you believe about Jesus? Do you believe that Jesus has a power to eradicate all darkness in you, whatever that may be, whatever that may be, and restore you to new life? And do you believe that Jesus' power working in you can do infinitely more good than you can ever ask or imagine? And do you live your life as if you believe this is true? So let's take a moment now to discern the Spirit's presence and work in us, praying, Almighty Father, I believe, help my unbelief. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com.